Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and i got a good episode for you guys today. title of this episode is going to be a history of good trading decisions. And what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about this new trader. He's emailed me today. He's going by the name Cletus. That's his choice, not mine, though I probably could have given him something even worse than Cletus. But nonetheless, we're going with Cletus. And Cletus's email is a little bit all over the place, quite honestly here. But I'm going to dissect it. I mapped out this entire episode just to make sure that I, I was nailing all of the points when I'm doing this episode. And I got a whiskey that I've never heard of before. I'm kind of interested in trying it. So we'll get into that as well. So Cletus writes, he says, hey there, Ryan, I'm currently sitting on my lunch break as a service advisor at a GM dealership listening to your stop losses and volatility episode. Love the show. He put that all in caps, actually. I am 21 years old and a very new trader. And yes, I am a Robin Hood bro. Hey, we all start somewhere. Not by choice, but by lack of knowledge. And that's why I'm emailing you. And that's probably why a little bit of the email is somewhat all over the place is he is a new trader. I mean, you can tell he's very green. As I said previously, I love the show, but I find myself not understanding some of the terminology that you use in the show. And that's that's a, one of the harder things to to do for, for new traders is to talk about what every single term means, because a lot of it, it's just regular vocabulary for somebody who's been doing this for, I don't know, I guess I've been doing it for like 30 years now, basically, or 29 years. So a lot of it's just everyday language for me, but I try to be cognizant of that. But also too, if you don't understand something, and you got to remember, I'm not really getting into technical analysis and using super fancy terms for most of the part. Most of the time, I'm talking about you as a trader and what you can do to improve yourself. I'm not getting into like bull flags and head and shoulders patterns for the most part. If I do, it's usually just like in a passing kind of a way. But if you don't know it, I would definitely recommend like Googling it or just try to find a book that might cover a lot of that. One of the books I tell people to read, it's a, it's a boring book. I read it. It was boring, but it's the technical analysis of the financial markets. It's like freaking long. <laughs> it's so long. It will put you to sleep many times. But despite it being very dry, it, it covers a lot. Also too, my bourbon of choice today is going to be Paddleford Creek. It is 41.5% alcohol. It's 83 proof. It is a bourbon with a mellow finish. And I told you about this guy that emailed me before. His name is Jack Daniels. Obviously, I don't usually use people's names, but gosh, how do you not use the name Jack Daniels? But he says, take a small, small sip in the very beginning. It's called chewing. And it's done to shock your taste buds with a small straight sip that you hold in your mouth for a few seconds before you swallow. And then he says, in this first sip, you won't taste as much, but you will get your mouth ready for the second sip. It's also important to wait a bit for the second sip. Some people, including Jack Daniels, likes to put a small ice cube in before the second sip to open it up just a touch. You should find the second sip will be much more rewarding because the deeper flavors will be easier to detect. Now, I got to tell you, that sounds pretty bougie, man. Usually when I'm drinking this stuff, I'm just usually, you know, sipping it as I see fit. But I like this approach, man. Jack Daniels, he's got to know what he's talking about here. And I like anything that'll help me explore the flavors a little bit more with the bourbon. All right, so I'm going to take a small sip. And I chewed on it. It's not the most pleasant way to go about it, but I can see what he's saying. Man, my, my mouth is on fire right now. So, <laughs> but we're going to give it another shot here. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw like a one inch ice cube and I'm not even going a full two inches. Wow, what a difference that makes though. It, it turned out a lot smoother on that second sip. I can taste that mellow finish quite a bit. I mean, it really is a very mellow bourbon. 
really pleasant. It's very smooth. The harshness isn't there on the second sip. So I'm grading this on a scale of zero to 10. I'm going to say it's a five, nine. I'm going to say it's a five, nine. It's not crazy delicious, but I feel like using this technique that Jack Daniels talked about. I mean, I feel like I can actually explore these tastes a little bit more, but I would say it's like a five, nine good, good bourbon, but let's get back to the show here. So Cletus goes on to say here, he says, I currently have around $100 in Robin Hood, but at one point I had up to $1,500. Now he didn't specifically say how he went from $1,500 down to $100. I doubt it's to pay the mortgage or the apartment. If I had a guess, I'd probably say it has something more or less to do with bad trading. I think one of the biggest things that traders get themselves in trouble with is thinking that because they have a small account, they need to buy cheap shares. If anything, it should be the exact opposite. Granted, if you have a $1,500 account, you're not likely to be buying Amazon unless it's fractional shares, but that's okay though. You can also set up an account with a company that probably provides you with the best of both worlds, fractional shares and free commissions. I'm sure they're out there. And listen, the, the thing is, is that we can't get so hung up on how many shares that we own of a stock. So many people get hung up. It's like, well, that's a stock's expensive. I can't afford that. It's a $3,000 stock and I only have $3,000 in my account. I'll only be able to buy one share. Who cares? Who cares? I've never made a dime off of the number of shares that I owned. I've only made money off of what did the stock do after I bought it or what did the stock do after I shorted it. But it has nothing to do with this. the shares. They don't increase in number. Unless you get through a stock split and then the stock split's just going to cut the price in half on you. Guys, okay, shares have nothing to do with it. It's all about the capital that you're allocating to the trade. But so many times we get caught up and it's like, oh, I, I can only buy 10 shares of that. But if I buy this cheaper stock at a dollar, I can buy 100 shares of that trade. And it makes literally absolutely no sense at all why we care about how many shares of a company that we buy. Look, Berkshire Hathaway Class A shares has a good setup. Go buy fractional shares of it. I don't know if that's actually, I've never attempted to do that, but you get my point. By the way, Berkshire Hathaway Class A shares, they're like trading at $341,000 a share. So I was giving you an extreme example, but you get my gist here. Stop buying cheap shares just because they're cheap. There's usually more volatility, more risk, more uncertainty. You're likely to see a company that's really cheap in shares go out of business than you are a stock that's trading with a market cap of $100 billion and trading at $500 a share. Oftentimes when stocks are trading that $1 a share or $2 a share, there's a reason for that. They usually suck as a company. But I've been preaching this probably for 13, 14 years that I've been doing SharePointer. And it's, and it's just amazing to me. Like Even the people who have heard me say this time and time again still don't get it. They're like, well, that's expensive. Who cares? It's not expensive. When you're looking at price to earnings ratios, and I only do technical analysis, so I don't even really care if it's an expensive stock or not. I just care about if there's a trade set up there. But if you're going to get into the whole fundamental analysis, then yeah, it's it's stupid to look at a share price and say, well, that's expensive. Oh, but look at this. It's $6 a share. I can buy this while the real trade or the real investment that you're going after should be the one that's $200 a share because it's actually cheaper. There's less risk, less volatility, and less headline risk that is associated with the trade. Now, again, don't mix my words up and say, okay, if, if it's a higher price stock trading at $200 a share, then that must mean that there's less risk to it. No, you take Boeing, for instance, right? It's trading at $200 a share and it's an absolute clown show. Okay. That stock, I won't touch it. There's way too much risk to it. So after telling me about losing the $1,400 of his $1,500 investment, he tells me that his question is that what site do you use instead of Robinhood? How do you read a chart and tell that it's a good trade. And then he goes on to say that I, I fear that it's Robinhood's lack of data 
that hurts me. Well, I'm going to be honest. It's not. And this is why I call this having a history of making good trading decisions because it's not going to be as much as I don't like the Robinhood trading platform. It's not the source of your bad decisions. You as an individual is the source of your bad trading decisions. When I make a bad trade, I don't blame it on the platform. I don't blame it on anyone else. I blame it on myself. Now, the reason why I kind of get onto the Robinhood bros and everything else is because they flocked to the market when the market was ripe for a bounce, it bounced in a historical fashion. And there was about a period of three to four months there where the market just ripped higher day after day after day. You would see two, three, four, five percent gains in the broader indices like it didn't even matter. Like it was just like normal business operations. And so there was this false sense of understanding of what the stock market is and how it can churn for months and months at a time. And now they're starting to see that because I'm getting a lot more emails from the Robinhood bros right now because while they had a lot of success up front, now they're struggling. They're waking up each day and they're chasing the the high-flying stocks every day and then they're getting just absolutely destroyed when the market gaps them lower the following day and takes them out for some major losses. There's a lot of fear of missing out, FOMO, because they haven't experienced enough in the stock market to realize that what you saw from late March until about June or July time period where the market just went straight parabolic is not normal. That's not what you base whether or not you're going to be a good trader at. Yes, it's a moment in the market that was unique and exceptional, but that's not what the market's going to be year after year after year. You're going to have moments where the market has steep declines and it's going to have massive bounces. Yes. But to think that that's going to be the norm every day in the stock market? No. You look at the NASDAQ over the last two and a half months, it's done nothing but trade sideways. Yes, there's been rallies, but there's also been declines. In the grand scheme of things, it's just been a chop fest. It's up, down, up, down, up, down. And so they're getting caught up into this stuff now. They're getting, it's like, why is this market not just blazing higher? And that's probably what Cletus here is dealing with. So it's not so much the platform. I detest Robinhood. I don't like it. Trading on that platform feels more like a casino operation in the sense that when you hit the buy button, it's like you're pulling down a lever, okay? And you're just like letting the the slot machine like spin its wheels and see if you can get three in a row or get a jackpot, right? That's not what you want. You don't want to equate trading with DraftKings. You don't want to equate trading with a casino-like mentality. You don't want to glamorize trading. When we start to glamorize trading and we think it's sexy or we think it's like this great thing where women are going to be coming out in bikinis and you're going to be driving Lambos everywhere. That's when you've lost your focus. And I'm not trying to put this all on Cletus here. Cletus is actually doing the right thing, asking me a question. I'm not going to lie to him. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. But one thing he's got to do is he's got to develop a track record of making good trading decisions. And when you're going from 1500 down to $100 in your trading account, I don't care if it's $1,500 or $100,000. When you're seeing that kind of a drawdown, you got to stop. You got to ask yourself, what am I doing wrong? And he is, to his credit, he is doing that. He's finally saying he probably should have stopped a little bit earlier because here's the thing. It's not commissions that are chewing up your account at this point. It's bad trading that's chewing up your account. In the past, I would see people that were making good trades on a small account, but they couldn't break a profit because of commissions. But that's not the case anymore here. And if you're not trading commission free, what are you doing? Like, where have you been? Get going with free trading commissions if you live in the United States. It's available everywhere. Everybody's doing it. And having a history of good trading decisions comes with becoming a student of the game. Listening to the podcast, that's great. Watching my YouTube videos, that's great. But you still have to continue to apply yourself. You need to study the charts. You need to go through hundreds of charts a week, at least, so that you're getting more familiar with how prices react. Stay on top of the news. See how stocks react after earnings. See how stocks react around specific moving averages, but become intimate with these charts. Because once you start doing that, price action will start making a little bit more sense. 
And one of the things I try to do is through swingtradingthestockmarket.com I've set up is to provide you with all my market research. And a lot of people have said, hey, when you're posting these charts, you're helping me see what an experienced trader sees for himself, what a good quality setup looks like, what a chart that we should be watching should look like. And so that's what I do. I provide that through swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You can go there. It's a patron account that provides you with all my market research, everything from charts on the, all the FANG stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, Tesla. I also give you multiple updates each week on the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, the Russell, and I'm providing you with my own watch lists and the stocks that I'm finding the most intriguing each and every day, daily setups on the regular. It's a great package. If you're trying to learn how to get your feet wet, this is going to give you a lot of market research. Study what I'm doing. Look at why I'm drawing the lines that I'm drawing on the chart. Look at why I'm, and I provide explanations on everything. So check it out. And so here's the thing too, and I'm going to wrap this show up with this final segment here. And that is, he asks, how do you tell on a chart if it's a good trade? Well, I mean, that's, it's such a broad question, right? I mean, I could probably do a hundred episodes on that and probably not even tip the iceberg. The fact of the matter is, is that no two charts are the same. They're all different. There are similarities, but what you want to find in every chart is a solid area to get into the stock early before a major part of that move has taken place. Now, a lot of times as traders, we have this need to see that it's already going to start running. It's like bandwagon fans in sports, right? I remember growing up in the 80s and it was all about the San Francisco 49ers. Everybody was a San Francisco 49er fan. I was a Dolphin fan, Miami Dolphins. It's starting to get less painful this year being a Miami Dolphins fan. But in the 80s, it was all about Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, John Taylor, Roger Craig, those guys. I'm from Florida, and everybody's a San Francisco 49ers fan. Why? Because they were winning. And so we look at trades, and we look at charts from the standpoint, has it started to win yet? I want to see it going up already. I want to see it well underway in a trend line, and then I'll start to get in. Well, the problem with that is that you're missing out already on a big move. You want to get in where the smart money's getting in is right where it's starting to break out, right where it's coming out of like a consolidation period. And that may be terminology that some of you don't understand. But if you look at my charts that I'm always posting, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on swingtradingthestockmarket.com or SharePointer or on my YouTube videos, I'm always showing you what consolidation looks like. And you want to get in on that breakout, but you don't want to wait for the stock that's already run 15, 20% and think, oh, now it's a good trade or, oh man, I'm missing out on a really good trade. Well, I'm better late than never. You know, sometimes it's never as better than late. And Cletus wants to be a full-time trader one day, and that's great. But just being a good stock picker is not going to do it. I've picked a lot of stocks in my time that are good. Have I always been successful on every one of those good stock picks? No. Sometimes I get stopped out and then they keep going higher. Was it a good stock pick? Yeah. It's just maybe I didn't use the right parameters for a stop loss, or maybe I let fear get a hold of me and I got out of the trade. But nonetheless, being a good stock picker is not where it's at. Being a good risk manager is, and it's not a perfect practice. You're not going to be perfect at it. You're going to have times where you're struggling, where you're going to have self-doubt, and it's going to affect how you manage the risk on a trade. But overall, before you can start thinking about being a full-time trader, you got to put the work into it up front. You have to have a good history of making good trading decisions. A good track record of a, as a part-time trader is an absolute necessity and becoming a full-time trader. If you're not doing it right in the part-time, you're not going to do it good in the full-time. And I've done a whole series on the part-time trader. I highly recommend going back and listening to those. It's like a three-part series about the part-time trader. And there's one part about transitioning into a full-time trader. Go back and listen to those because it's really good, really helpful. But again, guys, just to wrap it up, if you're struggling, you're trading, it's not because you're a Robinhood bro on the Robinhood trading platform, okay? As much as I don't like that platform, if you're struggling as a trader, it's all going to point to back to you. You have to have a good 
history of making good trading decisions. Now, is some platforms better than others? Absolutely. But you also have to put in a lot of work, a lot of research. It's just not going to come. You can't go to the bar at night, come back home, and you're half drunk and say, oh, look at a couple of charts here. Oh, Tesla looks good. I'll go buy that in the morning. You put in a market order before you go to bed. You sleep in until 1030 Eastern. You wake up and you got filled on Tesla at the market open, and it's been fading ever since. You don't want that kind of mentality. It's such a bad approach to trading. You've got to put the work in it. And that's what goes into having a history of good trading decisions. So get it done in the part-time before you even consider doing it in a full-time. I'm glad that you like it, but you got to get it right in the part-time trading before you can even consider a full-time trading career. If you guys like the show, make sure to subscribe to it and make sure, if anything else, please leave a, a, a positive review. I would love that more than anything for you to go, if you're listening on the Apple platform or Spotify or any of the other platforms out there, go Leave a, a positive review. Let me know what the show has meant to you. It means a lot to me. It encourages me to keep on going. I'm going to continue to, to, to turn these episodes out because I know it helps you guys. So make sure to go there, leave a review. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Share Planner Trading Block where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. That's www.shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. And follow me on Shareplanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.